the fantasy football Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness, even during a total solar eclipse. I'm Scott Allen, filling in for the usual host, Mike Hume, who is in California, and I would hope crushing an in-and-out double-double and Neapolitan shake. Hey, and I'm Des Beeler, and I, for one, welcome our new podcast overlord. I'm Jeff Dooley, and I don't want to make Mike too jealous, but our Scott Allen experience has been great so far. It has been really good. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, we've got a lot to get to on today's show. We'll shine the light on some players whose stock is up or down at the midway point of the preseason. And we'll also discuss some names and situations to watch in the coming week. But first, we have a big idea, which this week comes straight from the experts' mock draft we recently conducted uh, with some Washington Post colleagues, our friend Christopher Harris from Harris Football, and some other analysts, industry experts from sites such as ESPN, Rotoviz, Football Guys, and more. Yeah, some heavy hitters. Yeah, big time. I was, I was honored to be welcomed as an expert amongst you guys <laughs> well, for, quote, for quote one unquote, week. Yes, expert. And while, while we're talking about expertise here, it's not a big idea, Scott. It's the big idea. That's the name of the segment. <laughs> right. It's not kind of it's a, not kind just of any a lar- big idea. It's not kind of a large concept. It's the big idea. Yeah. I think we have a bumper for that, right? The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL tear. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. Now, Des, you analyzed that entire 12-team PPR mock draft. I sure did. Um, and there were some good picks, some bad picks. You were tough but fair in your analysis. But two, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> two picks in particular uh, stood out. Why don't you explain what they were and how they relate to the big idea? Thank you. Yes. An interesting narrative unfolded during the draft because one of the questions everyone's going to have going into their drafts this weekend, next weekend, uh, is, you know, where do you take Ezekiel Elliott? You know, he was when the news came out about his six-game suspension, which basically sidelines him until week eight uh, of the regular season and the fantasy season. Of course, I think his stock tumbled, and I, I think it's been rising a little bit as people start to figure out. Um, oh, well, you know, maybe he's he represents such a good value at that point, and he's when he does play, he's going to be so dominant. You know that it's worth taking him a little bit higher than say the third round, which is where I, I initially had him ranked. And, and um, we should say he's been all over the map. I mean, yeah, I've seen right. him. I've seen him in like the sixth round of some oh, some mocks. You know, I've seen like Holy as smoke. early as the second round. I mean, like it, right. and it's hard to figure out. I mean, you're losing him for yeah. over a third of your season. Right. You know what? What do you do with a guy like that? Yeah, I ex- I agree. He's all over the place. So you know, I was I was I was waiting with bated breath uh, to see where he would go in this in this draft. And as it turned out, the guy who had the number one overall pick, that's Roto World's Raymond Summerlin, ended up taking Ezekiel Elliott at the two three turn. So he took him with the whatever twenty fourth or twenty fifth pick. So then of course as and then, you know and I, I've, we've seen him go there. It wasn't it wasn't that crazy of a pick. Uh, and of course, then once that happens, the question becomes, where do you take Darren McFadden? Well, as it turned out in this draft, uh, Summerlin should have taken him a little sooner. He should have taken him at the six, seven turn because McFadden wasn't there for him at the end of the eighth round when his next set of turns came up. Our own Mike Hume, who's not here to explain himself, uh, took took him earlier in the eighth round. I think at the ninety-first pick. And it caused uh, Summerlin much agita as he was hoping he would he would be able to lock up that position. And it, it, it drove the point home to me. Um, it's really a two-pronged big idea here then. One is I think Elliott is worth drafting late in the second round. When you look at the other players that are going around there, especially when you look at the running backs that are going you know, at the end of the second round, early third, guys like Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, plenty of question marks. 
the value that Ezekiel Elliott gives you when he does play uh, it, compared to guys that, that are kind of going in that range and their expected per week production is going to be huge. And obviously, yes, you'll have to make up for his absence in the first few weeks of the season. But when he comes right. back, you're going to get him as an energized player down the stretch. And you're going to get him for the most important weeks of the season, which are the fantasy playoffs, which, of course, you have to make. So pursuant <laughs> to making the fantasy playoffs, I think it's also worth locking up Darren McFadden. And so my point is, if I ever get to it, is that if you draft Ezekiel Elliott, which I think is a good idea toward the end of the second round, you're going to have to use probably your, your six-round pick to get Darren McFadden, which is a reach. It's not right. where his ADP is telling people to go, uh, but his ADP is rising by the day. I mean, over at Fantasy Football Calculator, it's now uh, 7.09. It's the uh, uh, ninth pick in the seventh round. So, you, you know, if you're, and that's just everybody who's drafting him. Obviously, sure. people who don't, who don't have Elliott are also drafting him, but if you have Elliott, I think you need to, like, reach from a round sooner. So that would be the sixth round. So you have to be prepared for that. Right. And after people listen to this, obviously his ADP will, will climb even higher. <laughs> McFadden, that is. Jeff, what do you make of the idea that if you're in on Elliott, you better be prepared to, to have that handcuff in McFadden a couple, round early, a couple of rounds earlier than he's usually going? Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think Des did a really good job of arguing, and I think there's a lot of sound analysis there. I, I will say I don't think I'm going to do it in any draft. Uh, one, right. you know, the idea of using a late second round or early third round pick for a guy who isn't going to be there for the first part of the season, which is such a crucial time. Uh, you know, obviously it's not end of the season. You want your best guys for the playoffs, but you're not going to get there unless you sort of have that uh, have that depth. You know, I, I look at it if I um. One, I don't think I'm willing to take Elliott early enough to get him in a lot of leagues. It depends on so, w- w- sort of where he falls. If I did end up with him, the guy I might be targeting, who I know I can get later, like 10th round or later, would be Jacquez Rogers uh, mm-hmm. of the Bucks, right. who's going to be the starting running back until Doug Martin returns from right. suspension. And, and, that's, and, and that, that covers the sort of, you know, you get, you right. close the gap on that window. You, give your, you buy yourself three weeks of a starting running back, uh, and then you only have to manufacture some other ones. I think that's a price I'm more willing to pay uh, then Darren McFadden, like, first of all, I feel and like I've already reached what, on Elliott, and Summerlin. then i got to reach on McFadden, and also Alfred Morris, like, exactly. is he going to be in the mix there? Exactly. How far does this this handcuff situation go? Because you're looking at not only a handcuff for for Elliott when he comes back, but right. McFadden, not exactly a model of durability during, an, yeah, during his mean, NFL career. Do you have to make sure that you get <laughs> Alfred Morris and maybe Rod yeah. Smith <laughs> it does. later? How many Cowboys running backs are you Rod drafting, Smith, Rod Smith did look pretty good in their last preseason game. I know, it does raise the question, McFadden's own injury history, and also he's got a bit of a fumbling history, and I think he fumbled in the last preseason game, so that's another possible way he could, he could not have the kind of job security we're expecting from him. Uh, Jeff's point is well taken, by the way. Um, during the draft we had, after missing on, on uh, Darren McFadden, Raymond Summerlin did reach a little bit for Jack Wiz Rogers in order to lock up those, in theory, lock up those first three weeks, and then you try to get through the next four until you get uh, Elliott back on the field. Right. But yeah, I mean, if, you have, if you're in a league with kind of a deep bench, like let's say um, a league where you have nine starters and you have seven roster spots, I'm in one of those leagues, I, I think there, you, could, you could draft Alfred Morris, you know, just to kind of see how it plays out early in the season. Remember, you only kind of need, in theory, you only kind of need to limp to, to week eight. Like, you could be three and four through the first seven weeks, and assuming, you know, you hit on your first-round pick, and then you've got, you've got Elliott coming back like a house on fire, presumably. I mean, you'd think that the Cowboys at that point would absolutely want to get their money's worth out of Zeke at that point. So you should be getting a, a fantasy monster. You know, no, nothing, nothing's guaranteed, but that's... That's part of the logic, I think, of doing this is because you're locking up about as good a situation as there is in fantasy. You know, uh, the Cowboys obviously have a terrific offensive yeah. line. They're committed to the run. They have a good-looking quarterback in Dak Prescott. 
you know, Darren McFadden in uh, 2015, before, you know, after, after DeMarco Murray left the Cowboys and before Zeke arrived, I mean, he was a pretty good runner. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry, ran for over 1,000 yards. He had a good season. Didn't get in the end zone a ton. So, yeah, I think there is a lot to be said for, ha- for, the, for the relative certainty of that situation. I mean, let's face it. We can all draft a bust in the sixth round, even if you, if you don't reach for McFadden or if you miss, you know, like there's so sure. much uncertainty at running back you know, pretty much at all levels, that it's nice to have that kind of locked-up situation. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, it, you know, you just give yourself a much smaller margin for error if you're going to spend multiple picks on essentially one slot, which you is do. what you're doing when, do. when you're but, doing but this. You're and, p- and I will say, Summerlin did a good job of that in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you figure, like, he took David Johnson one overall. So towards the end of the season, he's going to have David Johnson and Zeke Elliott in the backfield. I mean, that's terrible. That's going to win most weeks just off of that. So I think it then it puts the pressure on DeAndre Hopkins was the first wide receiver he took, which is a good value where he got him. I wouldn't say a surefire wide receiver one. Golden Tate, Jamison Crowder, the guys he took at the 4-5 turn. So, you know, maybe you see those as, like, uh, higher floor kind of guys, especially in PPR leagues, but th- those guys have got to be right to get you to Week 8. Now, the McFadden-Elliott handcuff is uh, two of the more noteworthy picks in our experts draft, and that entire draft with analysis from... Des is up on WashingtonPost.com. We encourage you to check it out. Um, but, guys, let's talk briefly about some of the other more notable picks. Jeff, why don't we start with you? What pick or picks kind of stood out to you as, as being uh, especially good? Well, I did, uh, did want to praise uh, my co-host here, Des, um, after, hey, after, I like it. after months of lampooning me for uh, my support of Christian McCaffrey. Oh, uh, third round pick. Yes. Used well, on end, the rookie out of Carolina. End of by the third death. round, but yes. End of third round, still still third round. Yep. Um, which which I thought was interesting. Uh, apparently, I've I've gotten through to him. I like that. Uh, I like that selection. Um, you know, a guy I was excited about to get in the in the mid fourth round was Ty Montgomery. Um, I don't think we know. Obviously, he's been dealing with some injuries in in the preseason. I don't think we know what he's going to be uh, this season. But as as right now, the starting running back for the Green Bay Packers in the mid fourth round. Uh, I, I liked him. Lamar Miller was a guy who I, I totally got caught uh, sort of taking him in the third round. I, I, right. I didn't want him on my fantasy team this year, and then all of a sudden he drops. Um, it felt like a decent value at, at running back one. I so Scott liked that pick. Yeah, it was funny to see the, the analysis from the draft. Not only we were asked to you know submit our favorite and least favorite picks from our own draft. And, and Jeff, while well, you said, you know, you kind of felt like, well, obviously I'm going to take Miller based on the five guys who went before. I didn't really want him. My idea was you went wide receiver, wide receiver in the first and second round, and then you wind up with the guy Miller, who I think, I mean, people are down on him based on the maybe inflated expectations from last year. I think he's going to be a solid RB1 by the end of the year. And he was one of my favorite picks of the draft. Well, I liked uh, one of our guest experts. Did you hear that, Des? Favorite <laughs> yeah, picks. I'm moving on. We're, you know, we're, we've got to keep this podcast moving along here. Enough of you two. Uh, I, one of our guest experts, Brandon Marion Lee of HerFantasyFootball.com, I thought she got a, a, a bit of a steal with getting Jimmy Graham at pick number 76. I mean, I have him 51st overall, so I, I'm right. kind of aggressive in my ranking. But I think he's set for a pretty big year. I mean, he, he overcame a, a, a pretty major knee injury last year, seemed to click pretty well with, with Russell Wilson, both of them. Uh, should be much healthier this year than, than they were last year. So I thought that was great value. Um, I gave my uh, um, Value City Award, the unofficial Value City Award, non-sponsored yet, uh, to Christopher <laughs> Harris. Christopher Harris, who got who snagged LaShawn McCoy at number 9 in the first round and then got Melvin Gordon at number 16 in the second round. 
both passed well past their ADPs. I'm not the biggest uh, Melvin Gordon fan, as I've said on this podcast, but <laughs> at number 16, I mean, you cannot argue he, with that. He's a one steal day. there. And, 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 and I'm, I'm nervous about McCoy, but to get right. him at number nine. To get him I mean, at number nine, exactly. Like, like those two guys, you're starting running backs? I mean, yeah. that, that's take, impressive. It takes away so much of the risk. And then he got Mark Ingram at, at pick number 81, which is l- lunacy. I mean, I know Ingram's going to ha- he has got Kamara on, on one side and Peterson on the other, but a yep. lot of touches to go around in that Saints offense. I think Ingram will be a very nice RB, too. Yeah, he just kept falling and falling and falling. Well, those, those Saints running backs are interesting. Sorry to cut you off, Scott. It's like <laughs> I feel like, and I know I'm in this holding pattern where it's like, well, I can't take any of them. I'm just like frozen. And at a certain yeah. point in these drafts, you got to right. sort of gamble that one of those guys is going to emerge at least as the leader of the three, even if there's a sort of a timeshare. And, and you know, those, th- that's going to be a high-powered offense again. Three interesting guys there. Yep, that was my strategy for Saints running backs: was just stay away, yeah, <laughs> stay away entirely. Um, well, a lot of the experts that we drafted with are not here in this room, so why don't we take the opportunity to roast them and, and some of their um, more head-scratching picks. I guess, Jeff, start with you. Um, what picks uh, most surprised you in a, in a negative way? Now, I, I, this is going to come back to bite me because Neil Greenberg, who's, who's our, uh, the author of the Fancy Stats blog here yes. at the Washington Post, he, Roast him. He, does some, he does some great work, and, and you know, he's got all these models and formulas that I could never dream of creating my life, so I'm sure it's going to come back to bite me. His, he was picking 11th, um, so at the end of the first round, he goes Amari Cooper, a guy who's got an ADP of sort of mid to late second round at wide receiver. Uh, then he went Doug Baldwin early second uh, you know, I like both of those guys. I, I'd be happy to have them on my team. Uh, I, I do not see that as a, a one-two strategy uh, coming out of uh, sort of the end of the first round, early second. Yeah, I, I mean, and then, he, and then in the third round, he took Jarvis Landry, a guy who's been a PPR stud in the past, but I don't know, lo- looks a little m- lot more questionable this year in a bit yeah. of a changed offense. And, you know, he took him at 34th overall. So really his first three picks I thought were all very questionable. And, and to me, to me, it showed the downside of entering a draft intent on pursuing sort of a p- p- uh, position-specific uh, draft strategy. Neil as much as said, I, w- I wanted to do zero RB. And so darn it, he stuck to his guns. And no matter who fell down the first round, he was going to take a wide receiver. So he looked down his list, and he's like, well, Amari Cooper's my next guy. You know, meanwhile, I was picking right after him, and uh, I got Devontae Freeman and J.H.I., although it could have been another running back. It could have been Melvin Gordon there. A lot of people would have been delighted to take – Devontae Freeman and Melvin Gordon. But suffice it to say, I just took whatever was left at that point in the draft, and it happened to be running backs. But I think Neil was so intent on drafting wide receivers early that he just ended up reaching for some guys who, who, got, who fell a little bit. So, and, or, and frankly, I'm not sure that I wouldn't prefer to have T.Y. Hilton and Des Bryant to Amari Cooper and Doug Baldwin. Or, right. Or, or right. maybe a different pairing there. Yes. Like, or, both of those are, are right. yeah. There's the, something the, in those sheets right. that he's working on every day that, that told him <laughs> that those are the, the right picks. Yeah. It's called draft score, I think, and it, it's going to win you your draft. I shouldn't <laughs> mock this. That's at WashingtonPost.com, You too. should check out the article. It's very interesting, and it's very it's focused on – it's very, like, target-heavy approach, especially for the receivers. There's a lot of validity to it. That those two jumped out at me as, as being a, a little suspect. Um, and speaking of zero RB, of course, we had Mr. Zero RB, Sean Siegel of Rotoviz himself in in our uh, in our experts draft, and you know you knew he was going to go zero RB. I don't. He was the last to take a running back. Uh, I think in the in the seventh round he started off, but he was interesting because not only did he start off with two wide receivers, but then in the third and fourth round he took tight end, and this is a league where you only start one tight end. You have a, you have a standard flex spot, so it's not a very deep league. Um, and he took Jordan Reed in the third, and then he came right back with Travis Kelsey in the fourth. So in theory, like Kelsey could fill out his flex spot, but then again, if you're going to do that, then you didn't need to draft wide receivers in the in the fifth and sixth rounds as well, uh, which he did. So you know his his logic was, 
you solidify your tight end scoring, you protect against injury, which obviously if you draft Jordan Reed, you're going to want another tight end at some point, but in the very next round. Uh, but it does, it does thin, you know, it's, it's a position that's a little bit thin at the top. So that's part of the logic, too. Not only is he benefiting his own team, but he's taking a huge bite out of the elite tight end pool, right. um, you know, which basically only has like Gronk and Greg Olson left at that point. It's but. true. And I will say this. He got Sammy Watkins at the end of the fifth round. And yeah. I know we're going to talk about him later. He, he seems like uh, a potential steal uh, at that point in the draft. And then you got Pierre Garcon in the early six, who's another guy. You know, He's probably the wide receiver one in that San Francisco offense, which typically Kyle Shanahan offenses, those guys get uh, those guys get the ball a lot. Uh, obviously, there's a comfort level there. So those were two really good picks. It, individually, pick to pick, it was really hard to argue with what he did. But right. to your point, you're not taking a running back until way later in the draft. Well, the mock draft was a lot of fun, and again, you can find team-by-team team analysis, favorite and least favorite picks on WashingtonPost.com, along with a lot of other great fantasy content. Guys, let's move on to Stockwatch. 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 The Dow has been surging this week, but the same can't be said for ticker symbol OBJ. Des, why don't you start us off with who's trending down in Stockwatch? Right. Uh, that would be Odell Beckham Jr., who has a sprained ankle, and with just a couple weeks to go before the regular season, it looks like there's a decent chance he'll miss week one, and at that point, maybe he'll miss week two. You know that, uh, So you can't help but, but knock him down a couple of pegs in the rankings. I moved him down to, and by the way, uh, well, let me just say, I moved him down to seventh in PPR behind uh, LaShawn McCoy and A.J. Green, and I moved him down to eighth in standard behind A.J. Green and DeMarco Murray. So still very much a first-round value for me. He's you know he's he's solid gold when he's on the field. He's been a fantasy kingpin all three of his seasons. So you know I'm I'm not going to knock him out of the first round, but I am going to push him down a little bit. And frankly, people who have already drafted Beckham and not to mention Giants fans have to be breathing a huge sigh of relief. If they saw that hit he took, it was nasty. That looks bad. It looked like torn ACL territory. It really the, did because the, the hit was right at the knee. Yeah. And it, I guess it must have sort of caught his ankle up in it, too. But that, that looked like and a possible season-ender. Keeled over in the locker room like it was season-ending. Yeah. And, right. and, and it looked like maybe he got a concussion, too, because he sort of hit his head right. as he went. To, it looked like it could have been so much worse than it was. But it, it, there, you know, he, And maybe he'll be ready by week one. But I think if you're drafting now, you have to, you have to approach him with some caution because he, he might miss week one, he might miss week two. We don't know. Who else is trending down, Des? All right, I've got LeGarrette Blunt trending downward. Uh, this is a guy who— You had, love LeGarrette Bear. Uh, no, no, no. Mike Hume, I believe, loved— I'm oh, sorry, I get you guys Laguerre confused Bear. all the time. <laughs> we did talk about him on an earlier podcast in, in the sense that, yeah, he, he, he seemed to have fallen into a pretty good situation with the Eagles. He was essentially let go by the Patriots, and at that point, you didn't know what kind of situation he was going to wind up in. And it looked pretty good with the Eagles— because you figured, okay, he's going to be the early down back there. He'll be the goal line back. Sure, he won't score the 18 touchdowns he did last year, but you know, if you'll, that should be a pretty decent offense, so you should have a lot of opportunities. And it may still work out that way, but by all accounts, he's had a very poor training camp, and there have been uh, questions about possible weight issues with him. He's run very poorly. He has just 17 yards on nine preseason carries. There's talk that Wendell Smallwood might actually overtake him for the sort of early downs back there. There's talk that he might even get released. Like, I don't necessarily see that happening, and, and head coach Doug Peterson sort of came to his defense the other day, but it does appear that he's, he's on a little bit of thin ice there, and his job security is not maybe what we might have thought when he, when he landed there. De definitely a, a position to, to keep an eye on with the Eagles, because I do think there's a lot of potential for that team in general, but the offense, whoever sort of swoops into that, uh, that starting running back, or at least lead running back, primary back role, uh, is gonna is gonna be valuable from from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, I think a lot of people taking Darren Sproles after Blunt in in PPR leagues, but right. Smallwood is there as you mentioned, Des, and another guy who's 
kind of in the Sproles mold, the rookie Donnell Pumphrey is, has looked good in, in training camp and preseason as well. And the Eagles have, have a lot of other options at running back should Blunt falter. They sure do. And in PPR leagues, there's no way Sproles should be going after Blunt. That's, that's a, that was a mistake beforehand. And um, just if, if, it, if that's what's happening in your draft, you should take Sproles and, and run because I think he'll have a very solid role uh, as a pass catcher there. Um, another player with I thought would have a very solid role as a pass catcher, John Brown, wide receiver of the Cardinals. I'd actually touted him in a fantasy analysis piece just a week ago because I really liked his, his chances as a major bounce-back candidate. He finished as the wide receiver 26 in 2015, tumbled all the way to wide receiver 75 last year. He had all sorts of injury issues. Uh, especially with this sort of lingering uh, sickle cell trait right. issue, and apparently that's still hanging around. He also had a cyst removed from his spine. Um, you know, I, I th- the early accounts in the offseason where he's he's back, he's 100%. He in fact put on muscle. It sounded great, and you figure uh, Larry Fitzgerald is getting a little bit older. John Brown theoretically could could have moved into the top position there. Uh, maybe that'll still happen, but he's struggling with a hamstring injury. Was called out by head coach Bruce Arians. Uh, he as much as said, my body is different than others. I don't bounce back very quickly. And that is partly due to the sickle, sickle cell. So, you know, you have sympathy for him. But at the same time, I think Arians is getting pretty impatient there. And it looks like John Brown should begin the season as a starter, but he may be on a bit of a short leash there. So uh, I had to drop him to 41st, I think, in, in my PPR ranking. So still in the wide receiver three conversation, but at the lower end of it. Right. Big opportunity there for Brown, but he just can't stay on the field. How about uh, a few players who are looking up, Des? Right. Uh, I have listed on my show sheet here various Rams. That's, that's what I'm going to say. I have various How Rams. How many Rams? Um, well, this is all based, of course, on Jared Goff. We talked about it on the last podcast. Uh, Jeff very smartly said what he was going to watch for was the Rams' offense. And, uh, you know, you really all you wanted to see was can Jared Goff throw a football that lands in the hands of a receiver somewhere downfield? He actually managed to do that. He looked, he looked competent. He completed... He looked good, in fact. Six, he completed 16 of 20 passes for 160 yards and a touchdown. Of course, this is against the Raiders' defense. They're probably not like you know the uh, the steel curtain or anything. But but I mean, our the bar is so low for Jared Goff, and the potential positive ramifications for the Rams' offense are so great if he turns out to be just like slightly below average. Right. Yep. You know, so it's it's very good news for the likes of Todd Gurley. Sammy Watkins, and in particular Cooper Cup, a rookie who, who may just lead them in receptions. He looks like a, a target hound already. Yeah, he, he profiles as a really strong possession receiver type, Cup does. Uh, Watkins, it's still, you know, the health issue is a big question mark, but I think he's going into a, a decent situation there. We talked about him earlier. He's going late fifth round. Uh, he's intriguing to me there. Uh, Scott, you drafted Gurley in, in the mock draft we did. You yep. got him, you know, end of the second round. You know, I I would be keeping an eye on him if I had a, a mid uh, second round pick. I, I'm considering Todd Gurley because he's someone we saw uh, we saw his talent as a rookie, and last year he just there was just nothing going right with that right. offense. The offensive line was a real issue, so uh, I totally agree. Keep an eye on all these guys. I think you sort of upgrade all of them. Goff, you know, it, you know, you mentioned 16 to 20. A lot of the throws were uh, behind uh, less than 10 yards downfield, uh, but clearly they're getting the ball out quickly. Uh, he was accurate enough. Uh, keep an eye on that situation because those guys could uh, have a lot more value than we were expecting. Sean McVay getting things done, even if it's only baby steps there in in L.A. Who do you have? Who else do you have moving up your rankings, Des? Uh, I also have various bills. Uh, this would be how many bills, Des? <laughs> well, it remains to be seen if if any of them actually do all that well, given uh, the uncertainty with Tyrod Taylor and just that whole offense. But uh, in theory, with given Anquan Bolden's surprise retirement announcement, I mean, he was he was a candidate to lead the team in receptions yep. and certainly in, in touchdown passes. He's out of there. 
Um, and that leaves Jordan Matthews, who was a guy I said his stock was down last week. You know, but uh, how that's because he had a chip fracture. Yeah, a chip in fracture. His sternum. In his sternum. Yeah, not great. That doesn't, doesn't sound, sound good. good. No, <laughs> but he's supposed to be back by week one, and when he comes back, it's going to be to an offense that desperately needs him to produce because it's pretty much him, Zay Jones, and Charles Clay, uh, the tight end, who I thought was really hurt by the arrival of Anquan Bolden, who essentially was functioning as a tight end in recent years and was a real red zone threat. So Clay could be a sneaky, obviously low-end tight end, too. I think this is especially good news for Matthews and Zay Jones. Uh, that's pretty obvious. But the, the single player I want to focus on for stock up is Devontae Parker. This is the wide receiver for the Dolphins, and it's all about Jay Cutler. You know, Cutler's got a little bit of that, you know, YOLO QB reputation <laughs> right. where it's just like, you know, you know go up and get it, 50-50 shot. Parker is that receiver in the Dolphins' offense, uh, a former first-round pick. You know, he profiled it as sort of that that outside elite wide receiver, uh, and, and he says he's feeling better than than you know he dealt with injury issues, but it says he's feeling better this year. I really like him uh, uh, in fantasy leagues this year. Now, granted, I said the same thing last year. I took him way too early, <laughs> and and I basically wasn't able to start him at any point because he he didn't have that consistency. But he's an intriguing right. guy, and yeah. it was great to hear Cutler say he's basically a faster version of Alshon Jeffrey, a guy that that he was had huge. a lot of success with yeah. in, in Chicago. Alshon's was pretty slow though. I think he ran like a four six. <laughs> I'll at the take combo. what I could get. Yeah. I, I love this Parker pick. Yeah, Cut- Cutler locked on to Alshon quite a bit in Chicago, so. If he's already comparing uh, Devontae Parker to Alshon Jeffrey, that is good news for Parker. Well, you also think Cutler isn't a guy who's known for reading defenses, diving into the playbook. You know, he's going to favor the guys who says, look, <laughs> you, you know, working hard. You know, right. it's a, it becomes a physical mismatch more than it is, you know, a mental mismatch where he's, he's picking apart the defenses. He's going to say, hey, Devontae, go get it. I think that's good for uh, fantasy owners. Value picks. All right, let's move on to value picks. Jeff? So we've talked about this a lot on the show, that rookie running backs tend to be overvalued. My value pick is a guy, uh, Kareem Hunt of the Chiefs. He's currently going sort of mid-eighth round. And I think at that spot, especially if you're feeling good about the, the picks you've made uh, previously at the running back position, I think he's, he's a value at that point. I think he was drafted to be their starting running back. Even if he doesn't begin the season, he profiles as that. I, I, my guess is he's starting at least by uh, no later than week five, I would say. Uh, he's a complete back. He, you know, everything you look for in terms of college production, he had uh, lots of yards after contact. Very elusive, but he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He shows up in pass protection. So to me, he's a guy. You know, if he had gone to Ohio State instead of Toledo, he's probably going in like the fourth round, yeah. where like guys like Joe Mixon are going or Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, I don't think NFL fans might know him yet, but uh, I think he's a starting running back sooner rather than later, a good value in that eighth-round range. Well, I, I mean, I think part of, part of the reason Mixon and Cook are going in the fourth round is because they're expected to be start the season as the lead back or pretty close to it, and Hunt's got some work to do to overtake Spencer Ware, obviously. You know, we talked about Ware last week, at least I did. I was pretty optimistic about him. This is, And again, this is sort of as the preseason turns. <laughs> as as Beeler's rankings turns. Is more like. it, it is, to some degree. You have, to, you have to sort of react to what you see out there. Spencer Ware got... A almost all the work with the starters in their first preseason game and then lo and behold in their second preseason game Hunt gets a pretty long look there with the starters I'm not I'm trying not to read too much into that but I do think Hunt can make this a little bit more of a timeshare than where owners would like but I think they'll both have value during the season but I would still give the edge to where uh, in terms of season long value who's your value pick Des? 
All right. Uh, let's. It is the year of the rookie running back. I mean, we just can't talk enough about all of these guys. Uh, I'm going to throw another one out there. D'Angelo Henderson for the Broncos. He was uh, a six-round pick out of Coastal Carolina, set all sorts of records down there. He's rushed 13 times for 84 yards in the preseason, broken a couple of really big plays. You know, he's got sort of intriguing size at, at 5'7", 208, 208 pounds, so he's built pretty sturdily. Uh, Vance Joseph called him a home run hitter. That's the, the head coach of the Broncos. Uh, it's bad go- that you have to describe who he is. <laughs> yes. This is the uh, problem with the Broncos. There's yeah. a lot of uncertainty there. <laughs> but, but that's part of the beauty of it, too, right? There, there, there's, there's playing time available in, in that backfield. It, it's, starting to, it's starting to firm up. It seems like C.J. Anderson has pretty much got a lock on the starter's role. But you still have Jamal Charles there and Devontae Booker there. And Charles is expected to get a pretty long look in the Broncos' third preseason game. And if I may uh, invoke what to watch for, I think that will definitely be something to watch for. But if, if Charles doesn't look that great, I mean, I, I, and I think D'Angelo Henderson has already put in quite a bit of pressure on him to get that job as the sort of number two change of pace back there. So Henderson is a guy I, I think has, is looking like a, someone who could at some point this season and possibly sooner than later attain a fair amount of value. Where should you draft him? Oh, he's he's at the moment he's like a thirteenth round pick. He's he's a late round flyer. He's one of the flyers you get you go after. Yeah, at the end of your draft. Exactly, your last couple picks that you're going to spend on lottery pick type running backs. I think I think he's a really nice selection right now, though. Henderson looking to surpass Lorenzo Taliaferro as the greatest Coastal Carolina running back in the NFL. Oh, nice. Pretty low bar, but I think he could do it. Scott, who's your value pick? I'm going to go a different route. Not a rookie running back here. I'm going to go. Not a Chanticleer. Not a Chanticleer either. Josh Norman maybe in an IDP league. Um, there we go. I'm going to go with Robbie Anderson, the Jets' supposed number one ri- wide receiver, yeah. though you wouldn't know it from watching the first two preseason games. But I'm going to argue that it was a great thing that he had zero catches on one target <laughs> in, in week two because just maybe he fell off even more fantasy players' radar. Um, somebody has to catch Josh McCown's terrible passes in New York, and Robbie Anderson is a guy who I think in that 10th, 11th, maybe even 12th round, depending on on who you're drafting with, provides – Pretty good value in a PPR league. Yeah, I, I, he's, he's unquestionably the Jets' top wide receiver. He actually had an in, a pretty decent outing in the first preseason game. He, thought, he caught a long bomb from McCown, and, uh, you know, it was, and I think that's the issue. Is I think his value is tied to Josh McCown. I think he could be a sneaky guy as long as McCown's under center. But it does seem like inevitably they're going to have to give Christian Hackenberg a look, and I think that could torpedo uh, the, yeah, the, uh, the value for our friend Mr. Anderson. So there's three value picks. Let's uh, turn the tide and, and look at a few uh, guys who might be a little bit overrated heading into week three. Fire beware. 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 Yeah, my buyer beware guy for this week, uh, we're calling it the year of the rookie running back. I'm sticking with that, and I'm going with Leonard Fournette of the Jaguars. Now, I, it seems like I've been picking on him a little bit. I do think he's a very talented back, uh, you know, worth worth a first-round pick that, that the Jags spent on him. Uh, maybe not fourth overall, but I digress. Uh, right now, we don't know if Chad Henney is going to be the starting quarterback of the Jacksonville offense. Would, would it be a bad thing if he were? It might be an upgrade over Blake Bortles. Yeah, I mean, it, you don't know. You know, this is the problem, I think. Right. I, I don't think there's any question that Fournette goes into that season as their lead running back. He's going to get volume. Uh, at a certain point, he becomes a value in the late second round, I can't justify taking him over some of the other backs on the board there. Lamar Miller, Isaiah Crowell, even Chris McCaffrey. I think I'd rather have him. Even Ezekiel Elliott. Point. Ezekiel Elliott, you, you know, if, if you're Dez, uh, <laughs> if you're in a draft with Dez, he's already off the board. Uh, you know, Alfred Moore's coming next. Uh, I, I think there's there's just a lot of there's a lot of unknowns about that offense. It could be a total train wreck situation there in Jacksonville. So, especially a guy who's never taken a snap, I'm gonna wait until 
uh, the third round to take him. And even then, I'm going to be a, a little bit leery compared to the other backs you can get at that point. Des? Yeah, I'm going to look at Willie Sneed as a buyer beware candidate. He's the wide receiver for the Saints, of course, who I think a lot of people are expecting to do great things based on the fact that Brandon Cooks isn't there anymore. And so Michael Thomas, obviously, maybe the biggest beneficiary of that, but someone else has got to step up to the plate as well. Sneed's done some nice things for the Saints in the past, as always that sort of third wide receiver guy. Uh, but the problem is he may still be that third wide receiver guy because the Saints have listed, at least on their un- unofficial depth chart, Ted Ginn, uh, an off-season acquisition, you know, the, the, the speedster who was with the Panthers most recently um, as their second guy on the depth chart, as, as their wide receiver, basically starting wide receiver in two wide receiver sets across, across from Thomas. So if that's the case, uh, then I think that does ding Sneed's value a little bit. Obviously, it's an offense that goes three wide receiver a lot. They throw the ball a lot. They spread the ball around a lot. But they may not throw the ball as much as they used to. I mean, we talked briefly about the Saints running backs earlier in the podcast, and I think they will run the ball more than they have in the past. I just think Snead's going a little too high. He's going as a wide receiver 32, and that's ahead of guys like Pierre Garçon, Jeremy Macklin, that's crazy. Brandon Marshall, and, and Parker, who we talked about earlier. I would very happily take all those guys ahead of Snead. I think Snead will have some big games, but the consistency might not be there. What to watch for. <laughs> Well, guys, roster cuts are approaching, and we're heading into week three of the preseason, otherwise known as the dress rehearsal, which I've always thought is kind of a tease because we still have two weeks to go until we get to some real football. But I'm curious, Des, what are you watching for in this uh, dress rehearsal week? Right. Uh, Well, I'm going to watch for the Colts, who won't be dressing Andrew Luck, and for all we know, may not have Andrew Luck. Uh, You know, we talked about Odell Beckham maybe missing week one, week two. I mean, who knows when Luck comes back? They seem pretty confident that he'll be back early in the season, but in the meantime, you know, we have to face the possibility that they won't have him early in the season. And if so, like, what the heck is their offense <laughs> going to look like? Uh, considering that the quarterbacks they have on hand include Scott Tolzien, who's the number two, has not looked good in the preseason. Quarterback uh, Stephen Morris has been sort of pushing. A lot of Colts fans, I think, are saying, hey, bring on Stephen Morris. At least he's done anything because their offense is, their starting offense has done almost nothing offensively. Uh, in terms of scoring in the preseason, they looked really bad against Dallas in their last preseason game. I think they went 1 of 12 on, on third down. Starter center Ryan Kelly went down with an injury. So, you know, you just want to look for signs that the, that the Colts could maybe move the ball at, at an even sort of average rate because, you, you know, obviously you have players like T.Y. Hilton's fantasy lives are at stake here, at least until, until Luck gets back. And sticking with the Colts, I also am curious about Marlon Mack. Uh, oh, wait, a rookie running back. Um, a speedster, a guy with really good build, a lot of talent who maybe is kind of raw. Obviously, he'll play. He'll start the season behind Frank Gore and maybe Robert Turbin, but he looked pretty explosive in, in, in recent actions, so I'd be happy to see more out of him. What's on your radar, Jeff? I'm going to be looking at Seattle. I, I think that, you know, this is a team, uh, you know, they're, they're a Super Bowl contender entering this season. Uh, I happen to think the offense is going to be improved over a year ago. The offensive line can't be any worse. Uh, Russ Wilson at least enters the season healthy. Jimmy Graham... Uh, another another year there, um, and he was overcoming some injuries previously as well. Uh, we just don't know who the starting running back is going to be. Eddie Lacy was the one who was brought in uh, this off season, and sort of looked like he was going to be the, the the foregone conclusion. But yeah, Thomas I, Rawls is I getting remember, a lot of work. Oh, who who was mentioning Thomas Rawls on a previous podcast? Not Jeff. I don't know if you're referring to yourself or not. <laughs> All right, do go on. <laughs> yes, I'm going to finish. My I wasn't game. here. Yes, I was. All right, go I, on. I now. do think I think whoever is in that. That spot, whether it's Eddie Lacy, whether it's Thomas Rawls, who I actually like quite a bit, broke All a ton right. of tackles uh, his rookie season uh, two seasons ago. C.J. Proseis, a Des Beeler favorite. Uh, like he watched Proseis. he watched Sunday Night Football, uh, Seahawks, Patriots <laughs> last year, and right. he is a huge 
Huge fan. Uh, the only game all year CJ Prozies had more than four carries. Yeah. And now he's injured again. Of and I'm, I'm starting I'm starting to drop off the, the Prozies bandwagon. In any event, uh, I think whoever emerges as the lead back, and it might not be necessarily week one, but over the course of the season, the primary rusher there is going to be a fantasy asset. Uh, and right now, Eddie Lacy's going in like mid-eighth round. Thomas right. Rawls sort of like ninth round, sometimes even later. Uh, it's just all over the map. So trying to get a read on that situation. And I do think there might be some fantasy value, late fantasy value, uh, for the second wide receiver there. We don't know who that's going to be. Paul Richardson's right. flashed a little bit. Tyler Lockett's coming back from an injury. So And then there's uh, Cason Williams, who did good things. I mean, sort of, who, who the heck's that guy? But uh, he looked really good in their last game. Cason Williams out of Washington. Yeah, I mean, th- there's some guys. So... Uh, I would keep an eye on Seattle. I think there's some value to be found on that roster. Cool. Well, real quickly, I'm going to be watching the New England Patriots, and in particular the the Patriots' backfield. It's oh, good, good luck with yeah, that. Yeah, right? You might be able to <laughs> glean more fantasy information by watching binge-watching Ozark or something instead. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Rex Burkhead has looked – he's a kind of hot yeah, name. Yeah, look good. Yep, moving up the, uh, the draft boards this preseason, and – he looked good last week. Obviously crowded there, but somebody is going to benefit from from Blunt and those 18 touchdowns being in Philly now. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to approach anything like right. that number this year. They don't have that kind of typical, you know, goal line one right. two yard. It, it could be a different back. guy benefiting every week, unfortunately. But yeah, exactly. But, I mean, this is like Mike Shanahan, Bill right. Belichick, kind of the fantasy nightmare for owners. But if Burkhead looks good again, I mean, I think that might be reason enough for me. I, I've been kind of staying away from him and. Uh, haven't really considered him a guy that I'm I'm looking to take. Yeah, his ADP is way down there. Yeah, certainly. W- whereas Gillisley has been has been a hot commodity, and I think Burkhead could certainly take a bite out of his his sort of draft stock. Right. So if I'm not binge watching Ozark, I'm going to be <laughs> watching the. Patriots Have you seen Ozark? Now. I'm four episodes in. Okay. What do you think? Solid. Yeah. Yeah. You you finished? No, I haven't watched any of it. Okay. Great. I, I don't know. I don't it. know that there's a, a depth chart in the league that has more possible fantasy options than the Patriots. I mean, yeah. like. Nobody's drafting James White. Like I know. He was almost a Super Bowl MVP. Like I know. He, he was unbelievable. And then Deion Lewis was the guy last year who I was taking in every league. And yep. of course, he ends up getting hurt again. And, but like, and he looks healthy now. Like Any one of those guys could be yep. a huge fantasy asset. Any one of those four. And the thing and we is, just don't know how to draft it. It could completely burn you. But I don't think it is a terrible strategy. This might be a big idea for another week to go. The big idea, Scott. Th- sorry. The big idea for another week. Try to get all four of those guys oh, on your geez. team in the later rounds. Is that I'd rather absurd? do that than take right. you know, than take you know Cowboys back to back at the team. I'm only talking about three we're Cowboys. Talking about. Take all four Patriots running backs and Alfred Morris. You won't regret it. That's an interesting. We, we should try to put the. You have the, me back next week, maybe then. for the big idea. I, I think so. Oh. That's, maybe that's by then I will know it's the big idea, not a big idea. <laughs> that's pretty good. Well, that's going to do it for uh, today's show. A reminder that you can find all of our fantasy football content, including that. 12-team mock draft that we dissected a little bit more today yes. on WashingtonPost.com. Yes, go read it. Go lots read of good it. stuff on there. The perfect draft, zero yes. RB strategy if you want to do that. Uh, lots of lots of different positional looks, so plenty to, to help you get get your draft boards ready. I know a lot of drafts are happening this weekend, the next few weekends. Uh, right. Get your research done on the WashingtonPost.com. And, and we kind of dragged Neil Greenberg's name through the mud a little bit earlier in the podcast, but he has been doing a lot of outstanding yep. uh, fantasy-related posts. Absolutely. You should check all that stuff out. I know I printed some of that stuff out before our expert mock draft last week, so thanks to Neil. And a reminder that you can download and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Scott S. Allen. And I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.